Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for the body. Thank you that you've put us into uh, um, a family, that you've brought us into a family that can be united, Father. And that's, that's called to maintain the unity that the Spirit brings. And Father, I just pray that as we dig into this word today, that you would help us recognize the need for unity and understand that that this is something that you're calling us to. And Father, with that, I just, I pray for, for the nation of Haiti. I pray for Pastor Guido and the people um, on the mountain that we're working with, Father. I lift them up to you right now. That we as a body in unity are all together and that we are working with them through prayer, Father. And we're asking you to intervene in what's happening in Haiti and just protect everybody there and that you would bring a peaceful conclusion to what's going on in that country, Father. So God, as we dig into the word today, open our ears and our hearts and our minds, Father, and I just pray that my words would be your words. In your name, amen. All right, so... The last couple of weeks, we've, we've started into Ephesians. Um, we started off talking about our relationship with God. So there's that, the vertical works of uh, adoption, reconciliation with God. But on top of that, there's also the horizontal working that's happening where we've also been um, adopted into a family of believers. So that's those around us. Um, and we've been reconciled to each other as well. So it's it's kind of a, the cross, right? We've got the up and down and the side-to-side working happening. Um, so the last couple of weeks then, that's been... Remember I, I talked about how the first part of Ephesians was kind of... It was the gospel. It was the presentation of the gospel. Here's here's God. Here's what he's done for us. This is This is how Jesus made this all work. We're moving on now from the, the gospel portion to the application portion. We're now moving into, okay, this is what's happened. Now here's how we live it out. And the first thing that Paul starts into is talking about unity and how we need to be unified. So consider for a moment some Hollywood I don't know if you want to call them masterpieces or not, some films um, over the last, well, actually, it's a long time. Let's be honest, I'm not young anymore. Um, but consider movies like Braveheart or The Patriot or something that Mel Gibson's not in. Um, I mean, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, any of those things. There's a unified front at work in those movies. And without the unity that they have, there's nothing that they can really do to overcome the power that's working against them. If they're all off doing their own thing, which in a lot of those movies, you see some small group or individual that breaks off and tries to do their own thing, and they usually end up failing. The point is that unity is what what drives us being able to be successful against the powers that are oppressive. 
So we're going we're gonna to look at what Paul is telling us unity looks like. Right in verse 1, he tells us that we're, we're united by our divine calling. So he's telling us that we need to walk in unity. And to walk is essentially to conduct one's life. That's what they say. That's what they're talking about when they say walk. They're saying, this is how you live your life. This is what you do in life. So we're called to walk in unity. We're called to be unified by our divine calling. So Paul doesn't actually even divide the sacred and the secular here. Our whole lives, just as God has wholly put himself into our calling, our whole lives are to be lived in light of the gospel. So as believers, we walk in step with Jesus. We can continue to talk about walking. We walk in step with Jesus. That, if we walk in step with somebody, you think of uh, a marching well, a marching band or soldiers or anyone. When you march, you walk in step. You're unified. So divine calling, this idea of calling sounds familiar again, right? The Father chose us. He called us. And now we need to live worthy of that. And this is for all Christians. This is a call that all Christians have. Because we're called to be united, we're called, all of us, to do this. Not just church leaders, not just uh, missionaries, not just people doing ministry. We are all called to it, every single person. And because this is a call to all Christians, it's something for us to be united in, right? If everybody's called to the same thing, that's that's a, a position of unity that we need to approach that from. So then that leads us to Paul's next point, that we're, we need to be united by our conduct as well. There's a lot of ways that we can be united, and we need to be united by our conduct. So we're told that we need to walk worthy, not just walk, but walk worthy. And this is, it starts to tell us how. Simply put, Jesus Really, Jesus is always the answer, right? You can pretty much always guess Jesus, and it's the answer. And it is. Paul explains that the character traits that we're called to walk with are all things that Jesus portrayed when he walked the earth. So he tells us that we need to walk with humility. So in our culture... Pride is something that is highly valued. So humility, countercultural, very much. But humility is, is valued throughout the Old Testament. It's valued by Jesus himself. When you look at how Jesus lived his life, who he spent his time with, he didn't spend time with all of the higher-ups, getting himself well-known. That was not the point. He spent time with the people who were hurting. He kept himself humble in that way. And Tim Keller describes humility this way, and I thought it was the best way to describe it. 
the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. And I've heard that several times, and I never knew who said it, but now I know who said it. But that's exactly what it is. It's not about thinking less of yourself. It's not your self-esteem, your self-worth. It's just thinking about others before yourself. So humility. Gentleness was another one of the traits. And this is something... Don't mistake this for timidity. Timidity? I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to say it's a word right now. Don't mistake it for timidity. Um, Think of it more as being mild or self-controlled, right? Not in your face, sort of. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that comes out of our relationship with Jesus. And it's the way that we're called to care for one another. We're not called to be forceful and, and completely in your face. We're called to, to, to act with gentleness. We also have patience. It's another characteristic that we're to walk with. And another fruit of the Spirit, if you see the trend. So, again, another quote here, Tony Merida says that a lack of patience displays a lack of humility and a lack of love. 1 Corinthians 3.14, right? Or 13.4. It's my dyslexia kicking in there. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says that love is patient. So if we don't have patience, or if we don't have love, we don't have patience. It kind of goes hand in hand, right? And it means that we endure the annoyances and challenges over time of other people. So I'm, I'm really bad for this. I am really bad for this because I, I, there are a lot of things. I have a lot of pet peeves. We'll put it that way. I have a lot of pet peeves. And we're, we're called to not let that get to us. And if it does get to us, we deal with them gently. But we're we're called to love and endure these annoyances over time. It's it's a long haul. It's a long game. It's not just, yeah, okay, I'm going to deal with this now, and then I'll tell you off about it later. No, everybody's different. Everybody has quirks, I'll call them. We're called to, to love people and be patient with them. So then we we bear with one another in love. It comes down to it right there. So again, that relates the patience to love and means that we put up with each other in love. And then here's the other thing. We need to be eager to maintain peace and unity. Unity is active. It's not something that's passive. It's something that's worked towards. Because we're human. We're all different. We all have a lot of uh, uh, tendencies to try to shift what we do away from these things, right? The world tries to pull us away from the characteristics of God. And so we need to actively keep ourselves on track with those characteristics to be able to maintain the unity. And this, is, this needs to, um, to live within our very being, It's something that we need to continually work at and keep close to our hearts. And note here, too, that 
we're called to maintain peace and unity. We're not called to create unity. That's not something that we can create. The Spirit has created it. We are called to maintain it. Because again, we can't do anything without the work of Christ. So then, the more that we reflect and live like Christ, the more united we'll become. So a big part of unity is how we walk out our lives. Because Jesus is himself united with God, because unity is a part of the whole person of God, the more we reflect God, the more that we become an image bearer, the more that unity is actually going to um, fulfill itself. We're also united by our confession of the gospel. It's another point that Paul makes. So he points out seven statements that emphasize oneness. This is, this is a unity in Christ. So there's one body. So we have a common existence with the church, right? We're diverse, but we're united as one, one family, one body. We have, it's one spirit. We have common origin in the spirit's work. So we're all called by the Spirit, and the Spirit is working through us. He creates power, or creates, sorry, unity, creates power. Wow. He creates unity and empowers us to maintain it. There's one hope. So we're no longer without hope from last week, the week before. I'm losing my weeks. We're no longer without hope, though, right? We have shared hope in the work of Christ. We all have a share in that hope. It's not just for one of us. It's for all of us. There's one Lord. So again, my nice little facts here. So when you look at early believers confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, those early Christians, to them, that meant that Caesar was not Lord. So early Christians thinking like um, you're, you're Gentiles, right? Everybody other than the Jews. But for the Christian Jews, it was identifying Jesus with the God of the Hebrews. So that carried a lot of weight because it wasn't an empty affirmation. When they proclaimed these things, it could have fatal consequences. Because to say, no, Caesar's not Lord, no, you know what? Jesus is Lord, not just God of the Hebrews. There's more at work here. That could have fatal consequences. I mean, Jesus was essentially put up on a cross because of it. There's one faith, and what that is is that we're embracing these, these essential truths together. All of us together believe these essential truths, and so we're united by our faith. And one baptism, one common experience of being baptized into Christ, where together we're united with him. And, and then one God and Father. Again, we're one big adopted family. We've been adopted into the family of God. So we're all his children. 
regardless of our ethnicity or background or what we've done, we are all his children. And so we are all adopted into that family under one God and Father. So again, here we see through all of that, through those affirmations that Paul mentioned, those oneness statements, that we're, we're looking at the unity of God in this. The whole person of God is at work through all this, and he, he maintains this throughout the, the letter. He keeps talking about that. So that, that was um, unity through the spirit, so the, the spiritual aspect. Another way that we are to be united is through our diversity, which can sound a little bit crazy. But unity doesn't mean that we're all the same, right? doesn't mean that we're all the same. And again, my nerdy side is coming out here, so you guys are going to get lots of nerd allegories throughout this as I get more comfortable. We're not... The, we're, we're not brought into this to be the Borg collective from Star Trek, um, if anybody understands that. And actually, now that I say that out loud, they're all actually, they, they're one mind, but they're very different. They all, they all look different, and they act on their own. But we're not, we're not like that. We're not all meant to just be mindless drones, that are all carbon copies of each other. That isn't how God made us. I like, look around the room. If that was how we were meant to be, I'm pretty sure we would look different than we do. We'd see 35 Kellys in here right now. Right? Great work drumming, by the way, Kelly. That was wonderful. So, yeah. We weren't created to be like that. We all have diverse gifts. And Paul tells us this in verse 7. So the grace here that references, uh, uh, references one that was mentioned earlier on in the letter, and it's the grace that was given to every believer to do ministry, to do the works. Jesus died, rose, and ascended into heaven and gave gifts to his people. So in verse 8 there, Paul actually has a little, a little summary of Psalm 68. And what he breaks it down to is that having triumphed, Jesus has given his congregation spiritually gifted people to minister to his church. And that's where we get so many different church ministries. Again, we're not all the same. We're not all the same person. Um. Not all of us, well, not all of us can jump between instruments. We have some very talented musical people within our family here. And, I mean, not all of us can play an instrument to begin with. Not all of us are really great at preparing meals. Some of us physically maybe aren't the best to be doing uh, some of the labor jobs that we have around the church, snow shoveling in the winter, right? There are, there's various things that we're all good at. So that's where, that's where we get the different ministries, because we're all gifted differently. But these gifts are to be used to unify the body. We also have 
diverse responsibilities. Not just gifts, but we have diverse responsibilities. So what that is is that we're, we're given gifts to turn around and use them to build up the body, right? And they're different for everyone. So think about in sports. Different qualities and skills uh, are going to make for, for better players in certain positions. For instance, I, well, I probably shouldn't be playing any position in basketball because I am not nearly tall enough or fast enough. But you're not going to put in basketball a, a team full of five foot nothing people on the team and expect them to go up against, I'm sorry, I'm terrible at, at, at basketball, the, the Raptors. Yeah, you're not going to. You're not going to put a team of five foot nothing people against them because they probably won't succeed. Each person has a different role, a different responsibility to play. The church also needs people playing in different positions in order to be effective and unified. So Paul starts off by telling us that there's leaders that equip the saints. So he lists off a bunch. And again, <laughs> Ephesians, I could spend so much time in because I feel like there are several messages to talk about just in this portion alone. But Paul talks about apostles, which today are generally, uh, it generally means sent one, so people who, who are going out. Prophets, evangelists who are gifted in, in proclaiming God's uh, proclaiming the gospel. And with that, everyone's called to proclaim the gospel. But there are certain ones who are especially gifted at it. And so they are they're ones that are called to evangelize. We've got shepherds, which traditionally we, we think of pastors for that. People who nurture and defend and protect and know and sacrifice for the flock right? And then we have teachers who, yes, pastors often fill the role of teacher as well, but not all teachers are pastors. And I know that because I have several professors from college who were definitely spiritual biblical teachers, but they weren't pastors. So there's people that are gifted in teaching, very gifted in teaching. So these are the leaders that Paul, Paul mentions. And these are people who have been given giftings in the area of building other people up. Their role in the body is to equip other people for ministry. That doesn't mean they don't do ministry themselves, but they equip other people. That is their primary purpose. I don't know if I like the word purpose, but that's, that's what they're there to do. Then we have the saints, verse 12. We have the saints to do the work of ministry. So the leaders are building people up. They're building up the saints. They're getting everybody else ready to do ministry. And we all have a calling to some type of ministry. We are all the saints. So every person is called to do some type of ministry work. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
chapter 2, verse 10, that comes back around. We have all been created in this. And so we all have a job to do, whether it's within the church, outside of the church, whether it's just evangelizing in our workplaces or at school. We all have a place and we all have a job to do. And Paul later tells us that we're to imitate God, and that that comes later in chapter 5. But God works. God is always at work. And therefore, we need to be at work too. We can't just sit at home and let the world pass us by. There's something that we're called to be doing. Our diverse giftings and responsibilities put into action breed unity. So those, those who know me well know that it seems like the right side of my body is failing slowly. My, I have back issues. I have a, a herniated disc that acts up. I have an old shoulder injury that decides to, Kim can hear it pop across the room once in a while. Um, and most recently, my knee decided it needed to start doing funny things. When, those, when one of those things starts to not work properly, for example, right now I know that my back is slowly starting to work its way out because I feel a pinch right down, down the back of my leg. When things don't work the way that they're supposed to do, other parts of my body start to suffer. Pain right there right now. Eventually, the muscles on this side of my back will start to tighten up. That's the way the body works. If something's not working properly, other parts of the body need to come in and make up for the work, and it doesn't work as effectively because that's not necessarily what those were designed to do. Again, Tony Merida here said it really well for me. The church will be enriched in worship and mission when everyone is serving. When members give, work in childcare, visit those in need, make meals for new parents, and minister to one another in groups, the body is edified, blessed, and built up. Again, our gifts and responsibilities that are so diverse put into action breed unity because everybody has a role to play to build people up. And that echoes, that echoes Paul's words in verse 12 there. So another way that we're united is through maturity. So our maturity in Christ is, an, is a mark of unity. And we need to be unified here. So what does that maturity involve? A few things. Christ-likeness. So ultimately... Maturity is, is, well, it's the ultimate picture of Christ. Um, Yeah. Verse 13 actually really says that. The measure, it's the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we we need to be Christ-like. We need doctrinal stability. And this goes back to our unity through the Spirit, right? We have our unity of faith. 
and the knowledge of the Son of God. And so this involves both our hearts, our relationships with God, and our intellect, right? The knowledge. And all of this happens so that we may no longer be children. So we see a lot of references throughout Paul's writings about um, maturity, children versus men, that kind of thing. Um, So what he's saying here, when you follow through his thought, he's telling us that we need to grow together. We need to grow together. We're called to learn together in unity, not to necessarily go off and be a hermit for the next 40 years and determine what the Bible says for yourself. There are some good things about studying on your own, but we're called to learn together in a community. I don't know about you, but when I'm facing a problem, discussing it with somebody is one of the best things that you can do. If you try to get through it on your own, a lot of times you're struggling. But if you can bounce ideas or thoughts or, I mean, if it's something that you're, you're learning, if you can, if I'm going to learn to drywall, I'm probably going to ask Keith to teach me how to drywall rather than me just going and starting to do it and being like, hmm, why'd those screws go all the way through? Right? We learn from each other. So the more that we grow together, the greater our bond is to one another, the, the greater the unity is. Um, truth joined with love is another mark of maturity. So our role is to bring others into our family. We've talked about that. We present the truth to others when we do this. That is, that is part of our role. And this should always, always be done in love. And that's, that's something that comes with maturity again. Even when we don't see eye to eye about something, we need to approach others with love. We shouldn't be personally attacking other people's beliefs. We shouldn't be aggressive. We've seen throughout the first half of chapter 4 here repeatedly talking about gentleness, patience, love approaching in ways that aren't aggressive, right? Without love, unity cannot exist. If we all hated each other, I don't... I mean, we'd be unified in the fact that we hate each other, but that's about the only way that we'd be unified. So without love, unity can't exist. We're also united in contribution. So another, another mark of maturity here is that we're using our gifts to fulfill the responsibilities within the body. A mark of maturity that unites us is that we're all taking part in the way that we're called to be. We're using our giftings to edify the body and build up. We're all working together to make each other stronger. I guess the the analogy that I'd use there is somebody who is, well, except for my body falling apart, somebody who is older 
their body knows how to function well. If you think about a baby, a newborn, they can't lift their heads, they don't have any motor control skills, there's a lot of a lot of functionality that's not there yet because their body hasn't matured. So what's my point through all of this? Well, what's Paul's point? This is the first step in living out the gospel that's been presented to us. It's the first step of many. But remember that Paul did that. He laid out a little bit of a how-to guide. If we can't live out a life in unity with other believers, we fail. It's as simple as that. We're called to be unified. If we can't do that, then we're not living out the gospel. God works in unity, so we should be too. Essentially, if we're not unified, we're not reflecting God because he lives in unity and works in unity. Ultimately, there are three big areas for us to focus on. First is that we need to be unified through the Spirit. So we need to walk in step with Jesus. And if we all do this, then we're walking in unity, right? We're all in the marching band together. Um, we need to be unified through diversity, which, again, sounds backwards. But simply put, the sum of the parts is a stronger whole. On our own, using our own giftings and abilities, we're not as strong as we are all together using our various giftings and abilities. We need to use it all together to be strong. We all have specific giftings granted to us by God. And those giftings help fulfill our responsibilities within the body. And as we do what we're supposed to, the body thrives and does better. When my back doesn't hurt, typically I'm in a better mood. Typically I can walk straight. I don't have to walk around like this. That's always a fun day. We also have to be unified through maturity. So we all have to grow together because as we grow together, we become one stronger unit. If one of our, if one parts, uh, if one part of our bodies stops growing, it hinders the functionality. I was talking with somebody this week, uh, and they were telling me about. I can't remember the name of the disease they had when they were a child, but essentially some of their tendons or ligaments stopped growing when they were when they were a kid. And so they had to have surgery to correct that. But when those ligaments and whatnot don't grow, that part of the body becomes unusable because the rest the, the, the body's still growing but the ligaments stop, so everything just kind of crumples up. So we have to grow together to be functional and united. When we grow together, we grow in unity. So my, my call to you this week would be to search out places in your life that you can 
foster unity, that you can find, that you can strengthen. Because there's, there's always work to do. We all have ways that we can, we can get better. We, again, we continue to grow. We all continue to grow. So I encourage you to take a look at your life this week. Find out what your strengths are. Find out a way that you can be involved in whatever ministry that you're called to. Be a member of the body, a working member of the body. Don't be the appendix that just sits there and possibly kills the body eventually. Not what we want from you. Not what God wants from you. So would you pray with me as we close? Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement that you provide in your word and the instruction, Father. Sometimes we we dig in and we start to dissect it so much that we miss the basic main point that's there. And Father, you're telling us that we need to be unified. And God, I just ask that you would, you would give us the ability to maintain the unity that you've already created. Father, I, just, I ask that you would give us opportunities to see how we fit into the body. We all have a place within the body. Tell us how we fit into the body and what it is that you're calling us to work in, Father. So God, as we continue throughout our week, I just pray that this would be on our minds, that it's something that we would continually go back to and invest time in and prayer and a lot of our time with you, Father, that it would just be spent searching out what is it that you would ask of me. So, God, I ask that you would bless each one who's here today. Father, those who are watching at home, those who can't be with us, those who may be um, ill or not well, um, Father, that you would be with them as well, that you would touch their lives. Be with us as we go throughout this week. And we just praise you, God. In your name, amen. So if you're listening at home and you would like to join us next week, please give us a call this week. We are, again, we have greater capacity next week. So we'd love to have you here. Um, And if you're at home listening, have been listening for the last few weeks or even just this week and you've got questions, give us a call. Um, Reach out to us. we would love to love to have a chat with you. So I just ask God that you'd go with everyone today and that all of you would walk out your walk in step with Jesus, finding what they have or what God has for you this week. Be blessed. Love you guys.